Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 31st day of October. I'm Paul White. As is our custom on the final day of every month, it's essay edition time. This month, I want to present for you the third of three essays on an unreleased chapter we wrote a few years ago called The Illusion of Separation. If you'd like parts one and two, they're available in audio form at paulwhiteministries.com. Go to the final podcast for the months of August and September 2022. For the print version of those and of this essay, visit paulwhiteministries.com where you can find it at our Deeper Daily Pods essay edition in print. And now, the essay edition for October 2022. Turn the light on. God is not your enemy. If a believer misses this, they remain an enemy in their mind. We are always blessed because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. But when we stop walking in this knowledge, we separate ourselves from the Father. We should be eating the fatted calf, but instead we often slop the hogs of life. Show me a believer that whines about not experiencing God's favor, and I'll show you a believer who is ripe to perform dead works to serve a living God. Hebrews 9.14 Perhaps you came into the faith as a child, and now you consider yourself backslidden. God has never forsaken you. All the time you have spent slopping the hogs of the world, God has still been your father. Change your mind. Repent, according to the Greek definition, and make the decision that you will go home into the favor of your father. Be finished with the alienation and the horrific process of making an enemy of God in your own mind. Why feed pigs when your father has a party waiting for you at home? Number three, Wicked works. The Greek for wicked in this passage is the same word often translated evil. Paul does not use the word for sinful, perhaps to keep the reader from missing the point. If he had mentioned sinful works, then he would have excluded the works that were inherently good, but were inadvertently harmful. Consider the fact that all sinful works would be wicked, but not all wicked works would appear sinful. Some wicked works might even appear to be righteous. For instance, I have attended prayer meetings, put money in the collection plate, and read my Bible, all in attempts to curry favor from God. My apparent good works were actually wicked works, for whatever one does to achieve in God what can only be achieved in Christ must be characterized as wicked. The author of Hebrews calls these works dead works and promises us that Christ has died to cleanse our conscience from the need to perform these dead works for a living God. Wicked works convince us that we are God's enemy. This is why we continue to perform them in an attempt to get back in God's good graces. Each one of us should take a moment and evaluate ourselves in light of Christ's finished work, a task that Paul encouraged in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Are we still functioning in the faith or are we performing wicked works? Whatever you're doing, do it from a place of rest. Jesus has finished the work on your behalf, and the life of God is accessible through what Christ has accomplished. Check your works to see if they are done to please a God who has already accepted you, or if they are done from the knowledge that you are His child. Number four, reconciliation. The topic of reconciliation is worth its own volume, and better expositors than I have contributed brilliant things to the endeavor. Consider this section, far short of an exhaustive study, a primer course to the understanding of reconciliation. 
If it sparks the desire for deeper study, then let the Holy Spirit lead you down that road of discovery. When Paul was ministering in Athens, the seat of Greek temple worship, he eyed a temple titled, To the Unknown God. Paul latched onto this thought and preached a sermon about that unknown God, claiming that he wasn't unknown at all. He states that the God they don't know has really done everything they think the other gods have done and that he is not far from each of us. This is found in Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. Remember, Paul is speaking to unbelievers who worship strange gods, literally idolaters. Yet, Paul does not enforce a sense of isolation and alienation. If this is the approach to heathen idol worshipers, how much more should we eliminate the illusion of separation from the believer? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5.10 Remember, according to our second point, based on Colossians 1.21, the enemy's status that we have perceived is in our own mind. So even when we were enemies in our own minds, we were actually reconciled to God by what Jesus did for us on the cross. The cross was the activity of God in reconciling the world back to himself. Not that he had ever went anywhere, but that man had been wandering under the illusion of separation since the garden. Paul makes it clear that all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Now that the world has been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, all that's left for us to do is be reconciled to God. This is our part in reconciliation. We need reconciliation to be settled in our own conscience so that we cease shying away from God and we shatter the illusions and delusions. God successfully reconciled you in the midst of your sin and sinning, and he didn't even ask your opinion. Jesus took your sin and placed it in his body and died for us, 1 Corinthians 15.3. Paul could declare that God was not far from those men in Athens because God had already reconciled them. Paul tells us that God did the work of reconciliation and has left us with the task of ministering that reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 What does that ministry look like? Based upon the description of the next verse, reconciliation is that God does not impute or count the world's trespasses against them. If he's not counting, then why are we? Let me repeat. The responsibility of the world is to be reconciled to God. And let's be abundantly clear. The world must reconcile themselves to God in order to access the life of God. This self-reconciliation is only achieved through repentance. Peter declared the need for such a response to the gospel in Acts 2.38. And the epistles pick up the theme. Repentance is the changing of one's mindset. Since we're enemies in our minds... It makes sense that a mind change is in order. Paul described the whole counsel of God in his description of salvation. Acts 20, 21. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is a simple two-step process, and I believe they actually happen simultaneously. Change your mind about who God is and how God works and place your faith in Jesus Christ as the only way to get to the Father. Once our minds are changed about God, faith will actually spring forth from liberated hearts. God went to great lengths since the Garden of Eden to shatter man's illusion of separation. Read Paul's words to the Roman church and be at rest in the goodness of our God. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grace to you.